Welcome to From the Ripping Podcast 2.2, second podcast of the season. Um, my name is John, and with me, as always, is Mike. Watcher. And uh, Jason. Hello. Uh, we are three Watford fans, season ticket holders in the Rookery End, and our po- these podcasts are our take on life as a Watford football fan. We're here in the Railway Arms pub across the road from Bushy Train Station. It's Sunday the 28th of August. We're off in a bit to watch Watford against Birmingham City. Jason, what have we got coming up? We've got the first few games of the season. I'm sure we won't be able to avoid any uh, uh, negative chat about the start mm, of the Hornets season. right up my streets. <laughs> but, there is a but, uh, we will shout and scream about all the good things that have been happening as well. You'll hear our chat with an academy graduate who's been getting plenty of minutes in the first team this season, Gavin Massey. Mm. Yep. And we'll also be talking to a blast from the past when things certainly were good and great around Watford. We're talking to Watford 80s legend Nigel Callaghan about an object that he's going to put in our Watford in 100 objects list. So plenty to chat about. Let's get on. A podcast made by Watford fans fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. Five games into the uh, 2011-2012 season. Watford had two draws against Burnley and Coventry away. Three games have been lost. Two in the league against Derby and West Ham. And Bristol Rovers we lost also in the Carling Cup. No wins. I'm putting that down as a draw, Bristol Rovers. What, because of the... Yeah. The bookies would have that down as a draw. 90 minutes draw. There's your bet. OK. Three draws, two losses. <laughs> Sounds better already. Absolutely. <laughs> um, it's, it's not what we, we had last year. Things have changed. We know that. Can you pinpoint, Jason, what is the problem? We could go straight for the obvious, couldn't we, and say that we're missing a, a striker, a, a Danny Graham, as it were. Yes. Now, we shouldn't... We shouldn't expect that any sort of replacement or we'd be able to get a replacement that will score 25 goals a season. I don't think Danny Graham would have scored 25 goals this season had he stayed. Um, he would have got a few, but probably not that many. Those seasons will come on once in a while unless you are world class. Um, however, we saw on Sunday Peterborough, who mm. lost Craig McHale-Smith, yep. um, managed to get seven goals against Ipswich. So they seem to be coping all right. But when it's seven goals, it's not one player. Do they count if they're against Ipswich as well? And, and yes, and they had two men sent off as well, but but a lot of the damage was done in the first. They scored four before the, the first guy got the red card. So is, a, is that about, is that more about though uh, the whole team scoring goals rather than one man scoring goals? Well, yeah, they were shared amongst three players, weren't they? Yeah. So yeah, it, it, okay. it's achievable. But because last year our six-one at Millwall was six different players. Yeah. It wasn't just Danny Graham. It was so yeah. So mm. why so why are we not scoring well, goals? Well, what else is missing? It, it irks me a little bit when people say, "Oh, we're missing Danny Graham." Well, we're the only club that had Danny Graham last year, and everyone else <laughs> seemed to do all right without yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, it was great. Movement was amazing, and he and he finished well. But that was about Danny Graham's game is based on confidence. I think me and a lot of other fans ahead of this season looked at the fixture list and said, "We need to get off to a good start because we've got a young team. We've got new new players coming in." Um, we need that. We need to get some confidence from somewhere quickly. Where do you get confidence from? By winning games. That hasn't happened, and we find ourselves not in a sticky situation. You know, we're, we're five games in, for heaven's sake. We haven't been playing awfully. The West Ham game wasn't wasn't. Um, Would you almost ignore the West Ham game because they are West Ham? They've got their budget, and they are. You know, they are. Well, di- they're a very different team to the rest of the league. You've got to play what, who's put in front of you, John? So I don't think you can you can you can avoid, uh, ignore them completely. No. But we are. You asked us to, to pinpoint what's going on. Yeah. It's confidence. Okay. Um, I think um, the most recent game I went to was Coventry away. Um, we we created a, a few chances, and it just seems that that we had Deeney and. Um, 
and Marvin up front and it just it felt like they needed that little touch too many before they, mm. they shot we had space um, and chances to get shots off and think right hit it and it, that split second they just wanted that extra extra. understandably so it's exactly the sort of thing that you or I would do if we were you know if, you want to, if you're going to shoot on goal you want it to be set up perfectly you, have, you know you want to take your time and almost, but you can't and that, that's almost wanting to make sure you're at least on target probably the longer it goes that goal that pressure they put themselves to making sure that they're actually at least getting those goals on target stats up it's confidence you look, yeah. at, you look at some of Danny Graham's goals last, last, last year he didn't even look up no, he, he knew where the goal was because he, he, he backed himself um, I'm confident in these players and I think they're going to come good they just need to we just need to get a bloody win from somewhere maybe, maybe it'll be today against Birmingham City who knows <coughs> Jason how are, how are we doing as a team do you think um, we're playing some nice football. I think we all agree the the derby game was uh, they like robbery. Yes, uh, they were rubbish in that first half. They, they weren't How good at all. We yeah. where they are, and we well, are creating chances. Luck, you see. Yeah, yeah, a bit like they, yeah. They, they, they've, they've, well, they've won games and and winning games breeds success. They've they've gone on a, on a little run, mm. and then we we plain to see they're not the best team, mm-hmm. uh, but already nine points in the bag and away they go. Who, who's to say what would happen if we'd have hung on at Burnley? And got three points there. Um, Absolutely, yeah. And, and we are creating chances. There was a, a stat from Opta during the week saying that we'd created something like almost seventy chances in our first uh, four well, games of the season. So the yeah. team's not bad then. So, well, what's, what's, so what's really interesting is that last year we were scoring a lot of goals from not many chances. So we weren't creating a, a high percentage of our chances were actually turning into goals, which was actually. Um, we, we had a couple of interviews last year and people mentioned that was cause for concern mm. that we're, we're having so many shots turning into goals that can't physically last and of course as the season panned out it didn't goals did dry up a little bit whereas this time round I don't know if it's more concerning that we've got you know we're having it what feels like hundreds of shots yeah. and chances mm. and, and they're just not going in I mean the, the rule of averages John you're a, you're a teacher you can probably back this up if you carry on shooting eventually surely we're going to score and I'd prefer to be having lots of shots and lots of chances and not scoring than having few chances. From the rookery end. We have talked about these strikers quite a lot, not necessarily getting the goals in that they want, but they are getting the, the shots in. They've been getting the stick, but I kind of get the idea that they, you know, they're, they're like a, a good team up front and they are sort of together. There's a lot of banter between them on, yeah, on, on face. Yeah. And some of them may even... You might even describe them as a very close-knit group of, of a boy band such as JLS well you might say that John Jason yeah. and I haven't even yeah, heard of no, JLS no, so no. We're, <laughs> Jason and I are distancing ourselves from that particular comment but so hey, oh, carry on imagine John. if they were a boy band and Marv Big Chris Gavin Massey and Troy Deeney had a little JLS song go 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 please go 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 We can't explain why nothing's going in. Our frustration is slowly creeping in. We get the ball, you shoot at the goal. But somehow we just miss. Cross is coming in. We had and Troy and Speed, but, but little's, little's going, going in, 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 in. Determination strong. Dice order are on song. We, we are gonna win, 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 win. win. We really want to go, 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 go. We really want to score, 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 score. Forget about West Ham. 
Derby, Burnley let down. We're trying to score a goal, 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 goal. With our heart and soul, 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 soul. Keep the faith. Read the musings and ramblings on the podcast blog at fromtherookeryend.com. Lots of people put this down to bad tactics, bad decisions, not mentally straight players, but a lot of other people put down Watford's run to superstition. And there's one in particular within the three of us which might be responsible. What might that be, Michael? As per usual, if something's going wrong, (laughs) it's probably my fault. But um, I haven't actually shaved since the start of the season. And... Well, we haven't won since the start of the season. Coincidence? So the obvious logical conclusion is unlucky beard. Now, you put this up on your Twitter and we put it on the Facebook group. Yeah. The consensus? The consensus was quite a lot of people didn't like my shirt, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was quite hurtful, but yeah, everyone's, uh, everyone's entitled to their opinion. But the consensus was lose the beard. So that was last Wednesday, yep, Thursday? During the week. So it's now Sunday. And you're sat in front of us. Son's beard, clean shaven, smooth as a baby's bum. So later on, when we finish up after watching the Birmingham City game, if we've lost, then we know it's nothing to your beard. If we've won, I'll everyone sh- needs to go and buy Mike a lifetime supply sh- of razors. I'll be shaving at half time. <laughs> <laughs> but th- that fan's reaction to it and almost grabbing out for such things as a superstition, it is a little bit downhearting for me to hear some of the fans just going it's desperate and despair after five games of football yeah in particular for me I, there were there were comments on Twitter about sending Iwalumi back to Burnley and you just think what are you going well, to it wasn't just on Twitter Chase I think the the, 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 the the mood in the ground when Iwalumi went off sort of the ironic cheering when yeah. he was substituted mm. alright fair enough he might not have had the, had the best game ever but he's a game and a half into his home, to his Watford career at Vicarage Road, and already the crowd's getting on his back. Now, don't get me wrong, people pay a lot of money to go and watch football. It's an entertainment business more so than ever these days, and people do have a right to, to voice their, their frustration, their opinion. I do it often enough. Um, but I think it's a little bit disappointing, to be honest, if people are getting on a player's back after one and a, one and a half home games. Mm. For me, that's not on. I think you've got to get behind the team. You've got to get behind the players. All right, you know, 20 games in and he's looking like he's moping around with his, his shoulders down and he's, all he's done is scored an own goal and been injured for half of it, then fine, you've got, you're entitled to be a little bit sort of disappointed. But one and a half games in, come on, you've got to, you've got to give him a couple of slack. Is it about fans' expectation, Jase? Are their expectations wrong? What were their expectations? Well... Expectate. I mean, we talked about our expectations in the in the first podcast, and I think we were sort of middling to to struggle um, across the. Oh, let us be clear. We, I think, we, but if we all we all were honest, we'd say avoiding relegation. Yeah, is, is, sure. yeah, is is the key aim. Um, and if any, and if any Watford fan thinks anything other than that, I think I think that what happens is during the close season, you miss football. You want it to get back. So by the time the new season arrives. You're excited. Everyone's excited and looking forward to it. Football fans, by their very nature, are generally fairly optimistic, excitable characters. It's the only reason we go back week after week. Most people, most football supporters, support a team that's not very good because there's only there's only five, six, seven teams. Yeah, yeah. But they still go back. So that tells us that tells you something about the nature of football fans. There's hope. There's a hope that your team's going to do well. 
but we need to be we need to be clear and you need to be to be honest with ourselves that this is a team that is likely to struggle. I got a tweet from um, a, he's a Watford fan, Doctor Billio. Hi, hi, Doctor Billio, Hello. if you're listening, yeah. carry on tweeting. It'd be a good film. Probably <laughs> <laughs> made actually. But he said to me, "Strange that supporters' expectations were to struggle and we would take twenty first at the season's end. Yet all of a sudden, it's looking like that's going to be the case, and people are upset." And interesting that at the start of the people, at the start of the season, people are willing to accept it's going to be tough. When it turns out to be tough, mm. very quickly people are complaining. Yeah, I, I think I think it's the, the two words we've used already. There's expectation and there's hope. The expectation is that it's going to be a struggle, but it's the hope that are making yeah. people sort of get all um, antsy about it and post these these silly comments on social media people have sites. A, people have a right to expect a certain level of commitment. Um, but we've seen that we see good performance we see good football going on we see a lot of hard work we don't see that's what I mean it's a, a point I made earlier it's not that we're watching games where we're not getting goals we're not making chances we're just not finishing the chances which is the frustration but we're not you know this isn't like we're watching a really bad game of football and we're being beaten 7-0 every week I think it's perhaps, not that bad I think it's perhaps what it could be is that is there is that feeling that a good start was so important and the fact that we haven't quite managed to get it um, it's been within our grasp. Burnley, Derby, Coventry. We could have easily have been ended in three points, and perhaps there's, a, there's an element of frustration that you haven't quite seen those games through, and, and picked up the wins, and and knowing that, it, that the, the start of the season is so important, and not quite not quite getting it. Perhaps that is fueling frustrations a bit quicker than than might ordinarily be the case. Um, but you know, you just got you've got to be realistic. I said in. Um, in my programme column mentioned Alex Ferguson all those years ago when he took over at United he was a game away from being sacked yeah. that was after going three years without getting a trophy you know, three years and that's at Man United they weren't great at the time no. but still they're a huge 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 club we're talking we're talking about a start to the season where we've been blunt in a couple of games relatively unlucky in a couple and not other races in, in one it's hardly Hardly a car crash to start. No, and you, you, you talk about that in a blog post, which you can read on uh, from the com. So, what's your advice there, Michael? Stand firm, be confident, watch the game, understand the team, understand the situation we're in, and let's pull together. We're going to nail this thing. We'll be all right. Just stick together and, uh, and get behind the team. There is there is one thing that's more consistent at a football club than anyone else, and that's the fans. Yeah. So if we do get on the on the players' back and and start moaning and whinging, and they'll they'll want to leave, um, and they won't be around. All of a sudden, we are in a in a mess. It, yeah, it, I mean, it's up to us to, to to get behind the guys and encourage them because it's our football club that they're playing for. Yeah, that's not to say that they shouldn't they shouldn't under, under, understand if we, if they're not performing. Uh, but there's a time and a place for that. We're not at that time yet. We've been lucky enough to interview a lot of the players over the last year or so, and they've they've said to us how important the fans are and the noise that the fans make, especially at home games. So we've got a part to play here. Let's stick together and let's um, let's cheer them on and let's uh, let's move forward. From the rookery end, still to come. Uh, on from the Rookery End podcast 2.2 uh, we're going to walk to work with Gavin Massey uh, plus that's got... his work not our work <laughs> no, no he's not going to come to my school really uh, plus uh, Watford legend Nigel Callahan talks to us about an object for our list of Watford in a hundred objects now fantastic over the summer boys we got in a left back and we got in some left sided players recently one of the, uh, the members of staff at Watford got married and we've got a clip here of 
as they came into the uh, into the ceremony about how all the Watford fullbacks were placed at a Watford wedding. Here we go, here they come. Uh, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Watford wedding. Yeah, that's right, you can start coming in. It's uh, bride's guests on the left, groom's on the right. Hello, sir. Hi, can I see your invitation? Ah, oh, yes. Carl Dickinson. Nice tan. And a uh, lovely suit. Cheap as chips, I guess. <laughs> now, uh, you're on the bride's side on the left. Uh, it's been a while, hasn't it, since we've had a defender sit on that side of a Watford wedding? <laughs> Take your seat, fill in from the front. That's right, come on through. Oh, I know your shiny face, Adam Thompson. You are the groom side on the right, if I remember from last season. Welcome. There you go, there's an order of service. Oh, and hello, Lee Hodson. Have you decided which side you want to play on? Groom side on the right is preferred. Okay, excellent. Make sure you push on forward and get yourself up to the front. Oh, and... Um, could you mention to Mr. Thompson the first hymn is Turalura Lura? You know, the Irish lullaby? You should both know the words. I hope. Crikey. Look how quickly the right side is filling up. Oh, here come some more guests. Um, hello! Hello! Good afternoon, come on through. Oh, Craig Forsyth. Welcome. Uh, now you can sit on the left as well, can't you? That's right, you take your seat over there. Have a... A good wedding, good wedding, nice to see you, just... Yeah, okay, yeah, on the left, cheers. Uh, hello, sir, can I see your invite? Oh, yes, Tom James, our new boy. On an initial short-term deal till January 2012. I have you down as a guest of the bride on the left. Oh, that's brilliant. You can sit next to Carl Dickinson. Do watch his tan. It might rub off. Well, I never. Would you look at that? A left side of a Watford wedding with more players on it than the right. How things change. Oh, there's one more coming. Hello, come on through. Oh, Mr. Doily. Now, Mr. Doily, the choice is yours. You can either sit on the left or the right. Both. Why don't you just sit in the aisle? Got something to send the boys? Then email podcast at fromtherookeryend.com. 108 to uh, interview Gavin Massey to walk with him to work. He broke into the team in the um, end of the season 2009-10. He played away at uh, a Coventry. A couple of sub-appearances last year. Been in the, uh, the, the matchday squad for games this season and played against West Ham and played against uh, Bristol Rovers for a significant amount of time. We're going to walk with him to work. He's in, the, he's in the first team at the moment, around it at the moment. A lot of young lads are out on loan. They've gone out this, this month, Jase. Who's, who's gone they out? have. We've got Adam Thompson's gone to Brentford and, and a bit of a tongue twister for the rest. Are you ready for this? It's yeah. uh, Brian at Bradford <laughs> yes. and Bond at Brackley, I believe. So Bolton uh, might come for somebody. Uh, who else might come for a loan? Bristol City, Bristol, Bristol Rovers, Rovers. Rovers. Yeah. Barcelona, <laughs> you never Borussia know. Mönchengladbach, <laughs> <laughs> um, Bulgaria. So, I don't know. Hey. Oh, you never know. So we're going to go up and, and knock on Gavin's door. Gavin. Oh, yeah. Hiya, I'm John. Oh, yeah, nice to meet you. Oh, mate, Mike, how are you doing? Good. 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 Yeah. Right, Jason. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Good to go? One second. One second. <laughs> Looking very smart. Thanks very much for uh, letting us join you on your walk to work. We're walking from Gavin's house to the uh, to Vicarage Road for the Birmingham City game. Gavin, have you always lived in this, uh, in this area? Yeah, I've grown up as a Watford boy all my life. When my mum and dad um, moved from, well, back home, they moved here. And living so close, have you lived this close to the ground? 
yeah, for like five minute walk. <laughs> yeah, it's good. So when you were sort of growing up so close to Watford, who were the sort of players that would uh, catch your eye? The era I knew was like Tommy Mooney, Tommy Smith and everything. They're the players that um, I'd used to go and watch when I was a young kid. So how did your link up with Watford begin? I was about six years old. I used to um, play for a local team, Gateside Rangers at Westfield School. And then um, I got scouted there playing one of the games and I scored that game. And then signed at Watford when I was eight, I think. And then haven't left, haven't left since. So I've been here for ten years now. So you're already one of the most experienced players at Watford. Yeah. Been here for ten <laughs> yeah, years. Been here, done a decade already. But yeah, it's good. Like hometown club and everything, it's really good. And we're walking past the uh, sugar and spice mini market at the yeah, moment. Local shop. Is that your local shop? Yeah, yeah? local. Did you pop shop. in there for uh, is there a <laughs> particular shopping list? You, you go in there with? Um, not really. Not really. We usually do that at Tesco's. Favourite chocolate bar you might grab on the way? Oh no, not on the way to games. That on a strict diet. Okay. So as as you've developed as a as a Watford player, Gavin, is there there any any players that have come with you on that journey? Yeah, quite a few actually. Um, We used to play with the likes of Pierre Mingoya, Marvin Sordell, Matty Wichlow, Ches Isaac, Jonathan Bond, Adam Thompson, Ross Jenkins. I played with him a few times. Eddie Oshodi. So really, all those sort of players, that, yeah. That, that, that team that you've grown up with, pretty much all of those, well, all of those names that you mentioned <laughs> yeah. are, are now knocking on the door of the first team. Is there competitiveness between you guys? Is there an element of seeing Marvin and thinking, oh, I want to get out there as well? You like to see your friends, uh, their friends as well as colleagues. You want to see them doing well. And I'm all happy for Marvin. He's just been called up for England 21s and yeah. it's well-deserved. But um, obviously you see him play, you want to be out there as well. You want to following the footsteps you want to do what he's done but yeah there's that element of competitiveness um competitiveness but um you, you just like to you want to see him do well as well so you mentioned following in marvin's footsteps i hope that doesn't involve pink laces oh no never <laughs> what's going um, on with those yeah it's a bit rascal. over the top yeah a bit rascal but now nah, i stick with my black boots mate good excellent now there were rumors previous summer that uh, one or two big clubs were, were coming in for you. Uh, were you aware of that and was it your decision to, to stay at Watford? I was aware of it. Um, i say a week, two weeks before I made my away debut against Coventry, I was aware of it. But then I never thought to leave to go to um, the likes of Liverpool whatsoever. only wanted to stay at Watford just to learn my trade, be a part of what we've got here because it's a, good, it's a great club to bring young players through. And I thought, hopefully I've got a chance here. I think I've got a chance here. So I was always going to stay here. I was always going to stay at Watford. You say you're still sort of learning your trade. What areas of your game do you think you've still got to improve on? Well, definitely like, like a hold-up play of a centre-forward. Like you've, got to be, um, you've got to be secure. You've got to be that reliability for your team. If they rely on you and then you know that like, things are going to, the ball's going to come to you whatsoever, so I thought that just that that's my main game like what I'd like to improve on so so like so you, you, you come through with uh, those young lads who's your, who would you call your best mate in the, in the squad hang out quite a lot with Connor Smith and Sean Murray as they're like the young ones as well as me and I, I've been with them quite a lot and they only live not so far away from me so yeah those two we meet up a few days in the week and everything, okay. play a bit of Xbox and that. So, uh, what about the, the older boys? I mean, you know, you, you, we talked about your heroes when you were growing up, but who are the sort of direct mentors you have in the in this squad? Well, obviously John Eustace, he's he um, signifies it. He wants you to do well and everything. Yeah, he can be a bit hard on you at training, but 
that's how that's how it's got to be. Everyone's got to be like that at so, football. Um, you put what you want to do into training. You do it in a match day, and vice versa. So yeah, it's a good thing. What's the rest of this season? What, what, until your your yeah your development. What are your what's your key things for this season? Um, well, obviously, I've had a good start. I'd say it's a good start to the season. I played half an hour or so against West Ham yeah. and 45 minutes plus extra time against Bristol. So just to maintain it, really, if I get another opportunity, just to hopefully take it. Um, thank you very much uh, for letting us walk with you to work. That's right. um, enjoy the rest of the season. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and we'll keep a, a close eye on you and uh, hopefully chatting to you about you loads and loads of seasons. So right, uh, thank you very much. All right, cheers for that. From the rookery end. Right, it's not all bad. No. Daesh and crew have signed, and I'm amazed at this, nine players. What do we think of these new boys? How are they fitting in to the team? Let's start at the back. How do we think about the defence, Jase? Yeah, OK. We saw uh, Murphin make his debut. Martin Murphin Power on, on Tuesday, mm-hmm. and, and he looked quite strong at the back. Worked well with Mariapa. Looked quite solid, OK. It was only against a, a League 2 yeah. Front line, but even so, they look they look comfortable. You can only play not... who's put in front of you, Jason. Exactly, exactly. So, <laughs> Mike, would you play three at the back? Would I play three at the back? <laughs> yeah, or three in the middle at the back? No, no, no. Okay, I would play play three at the back to give Murphy a game because I've got him as leading defend, uh, leading <laughs> defending <laughs> scorer. So I'd get him involved somehow. But I think we need to settle on a on a back four with the with a central pairing. I think I don't see Taylor and Mariapa did very well last year. I'd, I'd persist with that personally. It's nice to have Murphy as backup should anything go wrong. Or should we need to change things up a bit? The good, the really good thing for me is mm. Dickinson in at left back. <laughs> we saw it when Taylor came in last year. What a difference having a natural left back. Yes. It, it, it just adds balance to the team. It gives you that that back four, a platform to build on. Gives the rest of the team a bit of confidence. Nothing against Lloyd. He's been he's performed admirably at left back. But having a natural left left footer in there is. Is, um, is a definite bonus. And what's even better is he's pretty much, <laughs> apart from his hair colour, he's exactly the same as Paul Robinson. <laughs> yes. He's just unbelievable. The way he walks, the way he holds himself, the way he runs, the way he kicks people, shouts at people. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> Could be your new favourite player. Yes, yeah, so I'm not even going to call him Carl uh, Dickinson. I'm just going to call him Robbo. Not Dicko. Well, maybe. You can try it, see what happens. <laughs> um, one player we haven't seen, uh, who we've signed, is, is Tom James. Uh, he's, he jumped nine tiers yeah. of the football uh, pyramid. Even uh, Evil Knievel didn't jump nine <laughs> tiers. <laughs> and survive. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, might, he may not uh, turn up uh, that often, but uh, he's open. What a great story, though. And exactly. what, 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 what it want. is, is he may not, he may not get a, a look in at, at the first team level, but he may progress. But what it does show is that at a club, we're not scared of, of taking a chance. Hmm. Um, giving someone an opportunity, he'll obviously be busting the gut to prove, prove his worth, and if it comes off, fine. If not, then you know, we've given it a go. We've uh, spread the net far and wide. Let's move into the midfield. Mr Yates? Yates or Yeats, we haven't made our mind up have we? <laughs> Is he any relation to Sietes? <laughs> it's like the wingers I quite like the look of. Forsyvan yeah. and Yeats Yates. Um, <laughs> They look good. They, they look prepared to take be players if you on. Call him Yetis, um, he, he does. He's he brilliant. If you but call they him both Yetis. look like they want to take players on. And uh, my only worry is that, that Yeats Yates looks like a, a bit of an angry child. <laughs> if he gets sent off, if he never gets sent off, I will be amazed. It will be yeah, a little bit of a kick out of Derby, and he had a go at the linesman on Tuesday at Bristol Rovers. You can good. just see there's good, a lot of. Oh, it is good. Yeah, Do you yeah. remember when we spoke to Adam Leventhal? Yeah, yeah. One of his big, big concerns about Watford that they weren't nasty enough. Right. And I never thought of that before, but he was right. We've got, we've got a, t- a team of lovely players. <laughs> but now we've got Dick, uh, Dicko slash Robbo 
and uh, Mark Yates. I think there's going to there's definitely some bite. Well, and Eustace, John, John Eustace, of course, crikey Moses. Who's going to get the most yellow cards out of uh, Yates and Dickinson? I think it's going to be Yates. I'll do Dickinson then. I'll go for uh, Murphy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like you say, Craig Forsyth though looks looks useful. Nice height. Jason. He does. Yes, yeah, so he has that extra string to his bone. That he is quite tall and seems quite strong in the air. Uh, so for those balls that come in from the right hand side, if he can get into the back post and knock a few in like he did at Burnley, uh, then that's an extra dimension to our attacking line. Um, we haven't seen a huge amount of Prince Boabin, um, but we're looking Prince for... Boabin, <laughs> Prince Boabin, Prince <laughs> Boabin, playing football's nothing to be scared of. <laughs> Although unfortunately that seems to be the case at the moment because he hasn't played much football because no. he's not been that it's, fit. He's too busy capitalising every word in his tweets, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. which is an amazing trait. Um, if you don't follow him on Twitter, that won't make any sense, but if you do, just find him on Twitter. Um, and signing on Friday uh, of uh, Jonathan Hogg, who we know comes from, uh, from Aston Villa, yep. signed permanently, and he is a... I think he's quite an attacking midfielder, but I, he's a... Yeah, I asked one of my uh, friends, he's a Villa fan, he seemed to think he was quite defensive, but then he did score a, a hatful of goals for their... Uh, Reserve side, I believe, when they won okay. the reserve title. So he, he obviously knows where the back of the net is. Yeah, I think it, uh, and I think Premiership fans expect more of their players than perhaps than perhaps we might. That's not putting us down. Mm. But I think he went on loan at Portsmouth. And I, had, I had a Portsmouth mate saying he wasn't much of anything. Well, that's Pompey fans. But he was the only he's the only person I've seen say something that negative. Yeah, I think the, the, the I put the word out on Twitter amongst the Villa fans, and the the consensus came back. He was tough. Um, which, which again up? we like, yeah. So maybe he's a late addition into the who will get the most yellow cards uh, uh, conundrum. But I think again, strength in strength in depth in any department. Now I think we 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 knew we wanted something different in that centre of midfield. Whether he'll play today against Birmingham, um, maybe makes some sort of appearance. Yeah, I would not be surprised um, because we've been a lot of people have been not troubled, but. Not overly enamoured with the Eustace Jenkins midfield centre midfield partnership, so perhaps this is a chance for with uh, Boabin still lacking a bit of match fitness for for young Mr Hogg to come in and uh, make an immediate impact. Let's hope so. Marvin did a great start uh, up front, pink um, laces and all. Uh, yes, definitely. He's rainbow coloured football boots. But he... Marvin, if you're listening, come on. <laughs> pink laces. He's just asking for his feet to get stamped on, isn't he? It's not That's the, the 80s. Uh, he, uh, it, it, the debate isn't um, who's, who should be uh, to be up front, it's who is going to go with Marvin. Uh, we've had Imaluwu up front. Pardon? Imaluwu. <laughs> Imaluwu. Aperitif. Aperitif. Easy for you, Up front with him, and he's got an enormous amount of flat, which we've which yeah, talked about. Yeah. Uh, but we've had the return of Andy Vyman as well. What for you do you hope to be Chris, but he's of pronunciation what do you think he's going to why do you think, what, what, what will he do for the club this year he's a target man he's a, he's a big guy he's experienced he's tough he's got international um, caps he knows his way around the, around the game um, I don't think he's been match fit so he's, I think he's, he has struggled to start with but he's at the new club he's new surroundings new manager so on and so forth he is going to allow Marvin who has also got strength and power to, to have a bit of freedom there's no way that opposing defenders aren't going to be worried about Chris Ibalumu. There's absolutely no way they're just going to let him get on with it. People need to, someone needs to take care of him, which immediately opens up space for, for our more creative players and, and for Sordell. And of course, the return of Andy Vyman. Um, why, why do you reckon that was, why, why is that, why for you, Jason, why is that a good move? Uh, well, one, obviously he knows 
about Watford. You know, as we all know, some of the players that are left here from last season. So it should fit in a lot quicker than maybe other loan signings would do. Um, and when he played last year, he scored a few goals, didn't he? So he, he, again, he knows where the goal is, to use that phrase again. Um, the great thing which is quite Fyber. key for a striker. Sorry to interrupt, Jase, um, but that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he runs and runs and runs and runs. So I remember there's a couple of games on his loan spell that we, we, were, we were trying to get either a, a late winner or a late point. And that, that guy busted a gut right up until the 90-whatever minute. He would, he's, he's a Duracell bunny. He just keeps going. He work, his work rate is phenomenal. And you're never going to get a crowd on your back if you run around the pitch for 90 minutes. Well, it depends which way you're running around, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, it's um, possible, I guess. But, but, but what, his effort was uh, absolutely faultless, and I think the Watford fans appreciate that. And um, I think great signing. Glad to have him back. I think the annoyance is that we made all these last couple of changes and we're about to have a week off. I think it's a positive thing. We've, we've mentioned that we've got. You mentioned nine nine new signings. Um, there's no way that they can, uh, no way that they can um, settle down immediately. So perhaps a bit of a break is a good thing. When you grab a match day program, check out the from the rookery end column. Here it is, a collection of historic and intriguing items that define Watford Football Club. Oh, it's Watford in a hundred objects. We've set ourselves a challenge this season. We want to find 100 objects that define Watford Football Club. They can be historic objects that define some of the greatest moments the club have had on the pitch, or they can be personal objects that define a fan's relationship with the club. You can be, get even tenuous with some of your objects. It doesn't matter. As long as it relates to either you or a moment in the club, you can get it in. If you want a suggestion, email us podcast at fromtherookeryend.com. Dot com. So already we've been adding objects, and on podcast 2.1 we added number one, which is Pierre Issa's stretcher. We've also added the second object, which is Jason's knitted Will Frostrand. You could forget that. And object number three was a cardboard version of my brother, Andy. Now we're going to release a new object on the blog every Friday morning, so check out fromtherookeryend.com every, every Friday morning to see the newest objects. Uh, you can also get them sent straight to your inbox by subscribing to the blog. And since the last podcast, we've added a bunch of objects that define Watford during our great era, the 80s. I put an object in, number four, which was my Junior Hornets membership card. For me, the Junior Hornets, I think, was a massive part of me becoming a really good Watford fan. My dad was never a Watford fan. He just took me to a game at the local football club. But if it wasn't for the atmosphere in the family enclosure and all the great things that the Junior Hornets put on, I think he might have easier taken me down the road and taken me to an Arsenal game a couple of weeks after my first Watford game, which was 25 years ago now. Object at number five we put in was an Iveco truck. They were the first sponsor for Watford. And in fact, if you go on the blog post for Iveco, there's a little challenge that we've sent you which you can try out at a pub with your mates before a game. Can you name all the Watford shirt sponsors since Iveco in under two minutes? All you have to do is uh, go to the blog from thewickerin.com and on there, there is a little tab that says 100 objects. Over the next few weeks, we're going to put in a few more objects. Jason, big one we're going to put in is tight red shorts from the 1980s. Um, I must admit, I'm not a big fan of, of red shorts. I've always preferred the black ones. But you cannot doubt the scientific fact that red shorts seem to lead to successful for Watford. We always seem to get promoted when we're wearing red shorts. Uh, even in the 2005-2006 season when we wore black shorts, we changed to red for the playoff campaign, yep. and that saw us through. It's there. It's science. Red shorts get you promoted. And those 80s shorts were particularly short and particularly... Figure-hugging. Figure-hugging, they certainly were. And quite high. If, if you've got a lot of junk in your trunk, you didn't want to be wearing those. 
Anthony Packer suggested our next object in the list, a square programme. He sent us an email. Dear boys, my suggestion for inclusion in the Watford in 100 objects is the programme for the Watford v Arsenal game dated the 30th of April 1983. The reasoning for this isn't because we won 2-1 with Barnes and Blissett scoring, but it was the day my sister was born in Schrodel's hospital. Now, many Watford fans have been born in Schrodel's, but Zoe Louise Packer, brown eyes, weighing eight pounds one ounce, came into this world just as Vicarage Road erupted as the Golden Boys scored. I managed to track down the programme on eBay from the day and gave it to Zoe for Christmas last year. Come on, you horns. Anthony Packer. I asked Anthony at what time was she born. He said half past four. And I did some Googling and searching and uh, a bit of help. I found that the goal that was scored was a penalty taken by Luther Blissett. Amazing. Just as just as Louise, uh, Zoe was born. Yeah, because I mean, lots and lots of Watford fans were born next door in, in that building. And I know, I know a couple of people have had kids on the day of a match. But that moment, the, the crossing of time of baby entering the world, a momentous moment and a goal being scored is amazing. We wanted to put in a square programme, but we weren't sure which one to put in, and that was a good enough reason for me. Absolutely. It, it actually got me thinking. I actually went out and got my, some of my square programmes out of my cupboard, and I noticed on there that on a couple of pages, I'd cut a corner off. The back, off the back page? I think it was the, back, I think it was the first page, the, the first, you know, after the front cover. I could not remember. I had this flashback of numbers and corners. I asked Matt Rowson about this, Matt Rowson, a Watford author, um, and he replied, Mike, he said... They were used to give you first dibs for cup ties and things. I don't know what the things are, but gave you first dibs for those. Later on, collecting the full set gave you entry into a draw to take part in that bizarre ceremony before the last home game, involving people picking up big placards with random letters on that translated to prizes. Somebody somewhere must have understood. <laughs> Is it, was it a fan appreciation day, Jase? I, I can't. I, it was only when he said about it that I sort of I think had vague recollection of people standing yeah. yes, there with these I big that, yeah. yellow placards with letters on. It was just bizarre, and I don't remember I the think, tokens being upset, but obviously they were. Yeah, I definitely remember it being fan appreciation day, but I had no idea what it was about. If you know what it's about, podcast at fromtherookeryend.com, let us know. But I've never seen a square programme at any other football club I've ever been to. It must be special to Watford. It is now because it's in the Watford in 100 objects list. The other object that we'll be adding in this month is Callie's decks. Nigel Callahan was one of the products of Tom Wally's youth team in the early 80s. He was part of the team that won promotion to Division 1 for the very first time for the club. Part of the team that went into UEFA Cup and took us into Europe. And also, of course, he played in the 84 Cup final. In the last few years, he's unfortunately been suffering from, uh, from bowel cancer and hasn't a great time. But he's made a full recovery and back working as he is now is a full-time DJ. I got to catch up with him before the Derby County game to chat about how you get from being a footballer to being a DJ. Yeah, I started while I was playing football. We used to do all these presentations for the football clubs, you know, like, can you present the medals tonight? Because basically, like, it was mostly young young players at Watford. And, like, people like Will Frostrom were all married. Like, you know, they sort of go, no, let the young lads do it. So I went along with, I think it was Kenny, Steve Terry and someone else. And Kenny Jackett's mate was DJ. And he went, oh, do you want to have a go on the decks, Kenny? And Kenny says, no, Caddy will have a go. He's our music man. He provides all the music on the coach. So I went, yeah, yeah, I'll have a go. And I got up there and I pulled this really nice girl that night just <laughs> from being a DJ. And I just thought... 
yeah, I love a bit more of this. Like, so I just sort of carried on doing it. Taylor knew that I was doing it, and I, I never sort of like, if I'd done it, it was, it was on a Saturday night, which was okay. And um, So it just became something that I, I, I got interested in, and I wanted to see how good I could get, really. So you, you, do you reckon you get better girls DJ than you could being a footballer? Um, no, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> so you've been DJ since you finished football, have you? Sort of gave up football after the contract ran out of Villa because sort of had three of the worst years of my life up there. Just got to a point in my life where I'd had enough, really, and I just thought I'm going to have four months off, go to Corfu. I've been over there before and get up when I want, go out on a Friday if I want, go and drink as much as I want. And I came back from I came back in October. Obviously, lost a lot of my fitness. And Tom Wally. He was at Millwall at the time. He asked Mick McCarthy, but it was all right if I came in with him and done a bit of training. So I sort of trained with Tom and the kids to start off with. And as I got fitter and fitter, Mick then sort of gave me a game in the reserves at Millwall and I started playing. And, um, and then by the time it sort of got to around about May time, when the season's ending, I was sort of just reaching my peak fitness. So <laughs> it was a bit of catch-22. And Mick, Mick said, well, I can't offer you a contract, but... If you stay and do pre-season, I might. And, and sort of with me being out of work at the time, and I'm thinking, well, if I, you know, I can earn money in Corfu, go and do that. And so I ended up going back to Corfu again. And then um, when I came back the following year, Tom Wally said, do you fancy going out to South Africa to play out there for four months, or three or four months? Um, so I ended up going out to South Africa, and that was the year of the inauguration with Nelson Mandela. So that was sort of quite a historic year, really. And then when I came back from that, I'd sort of, it was a game going back to Corfu and uh, you know by now I'm 32, 33 and I'm just sort of thinking to myself you know I've either got to take the right road or the left road because as a footballer how many years have you got left after 33? Nobody was taking me serious as a DJ while I was a footballer they were going no no you're a footballer stick to football and I, so I wasn't even getting it no doors were opening for me so in the end I just thought well I've got to finish football and look at making DJ in my career and, and so I went down that way really and that's that's how it all came about, really. When you look at your football career, when you, when you were here at Watford, what, was your, what do you think was your, your highlight there? Just so many, really. I mean, like, we was on a roller coaster for about four or five years, really. I mean, like, you know, when we obviously getting promoted to the what's the Premier now, which was the first division, you know, that was unbelievable atmosphere afterwards. And obviously, um, I've got the, the first goal against Southampton, you know, got the first touch of the ball, and then. You know, you go you go from getting into the first division, finishing runners up to Liverpool, and then the following year we're in Europe for the first time ever, and so that was a new experience. And then you know, sort of the year after that, we're at the FA Cup final. So it was just all happening. It was one of the hardest things I ever had to do leaving Watford to go to Derby because you know it was the first first move that I'd ever made, and we sort of dabbled Watford through and through, and, and I'd, all I'd ever known was Watford. I'd grown up in Watford, and so it was a really hard thing. And uh, I suppose I. When I went to Derby and got accepted by the fans straight away, you know, um, had two and a half really good years there. And, you know, you, when you come out of football, you look back on the good things and you think, yeah, that, you know, I had three bad years at Villa, but the years I had at Watford and Derby mm. far outweigh the bad ones at Villa. Watford are known for being a young team, a lot of young players. You, you know, you you part of that first batch who came through. What you know, what has developed into the system that is now? What yeah. was, was it like back then under, under Tom Wally? I was lucky because I got a kick up the arse 
before I even started with Watford because when I was at school and they had to decide who they were going to sign as apprentices, they actually rang my dad up and said, we don't think Nigel's strong enough at the moment and maybe he might be a late developer, but at the moment we're not going to sign him as an apprentice. And it just so happened that that week I was playing for the um, county side and I was captain and I played really well on the Wednesday and all the, all the you know, Bertie Mee was there, all the scouts were there. And Tom Wally just said to me the next day, he went, he said, you was brilliant last night, I think you've changed their minds, and, and I did, and they, they signed me, and I think, sort of, having been told I weren't good enough before I started, and going into sort of pre-season, going in as a printer, so I was like, I'm, like, I'm going to show you. You've got, to have, you've got to have belief in yourself. We always had that belief in ourselves, I mean, Tom Wally put that into you, like, you know, because if you didn't have that belief, Tom, Tom would have steamrolled, you know, you'd have just gone under, so... You mentally, you was tough having trained with Tom, and then obviously the way Graham run the club. I mean, you you knew what you could do and what you couldn't do. You never stepped out of line, and you you never overstepped the mark. So when when we came into the side, we was all like, you know, yeah, we we train with these lads every day. Why shouldn't we be in the first team? Why shouldn't we be against players like that? And it just went on from there, really. We love watching you. Um, <laughs> so uh, thanks a lot. A podcast made by Watford fans and for Watford fans from the rookery end. Martin Taylor, Martin Taylor, put your hand on it. Martin Taylor, Martin Taylor. Watford 2, Birmingham City 2. Two times we've come from behind. I'm thinking by looking at that from the outside, Michael, it was an amazing game of football. What are you saying? It was an amazing game of something. <laughs> Uh, quite what, uh, quite whether it was football, I'm not sure. I think uh, initial thoughts are I think we probably got out of jail a little bit there, truth be told. Um, get the first things out there, Birmingham, decent side. Yes. A um, lot of premiership experience still in that squad. I know they're in a bit of turmoil off the pitch, but we'll come across a lot, um, a lot worse sides than Birmingham. So to get a point, especially having been behind twice, especially falling behind so late in the game, mm. you can draw positives from that. I certainly think that Birmingham are a mature team without a star. Hence, yeah. that's, that's why they won't win the league or have amazing wins, but they are a mature, organised I, I, I would call them solid. I don't think they were any more than solid. They've okay. got, I mean, they've got, I think they've got a quality defender in Ridgewell. Um, and they look, yeah, and I think that was part of why we, we looked like we weren't going to score for the first 80 minutes. Um, but they weren't, I weren't impressed with them up front, and it was disappointing to, to sort of... I don't know to, to be in a position where we almost lost the game. To be honest, um, first, well, yeah, yeah, first first goal was uh, yeah. from a set piece, and and that looked like that was going to be the the way that this game was going to be decided because the teams were sort of cancelling each other out almost. Like neither team was sort of standing out and looked better than the other. Um, but those last ten minutes, yeah, fantastic. All of a sudden, Marvin's goal, which was a, a brilliant finish, I think, uh, a quality goal from Marvin. Um, seemed to wake everyone up and, and the games that woke up a bit from but even, there. Even both those goals, both of the goals we scored, um, one from Marvin and one from Martin Taylor, Martin Taylor put a head on it, um, he, they both came from Marvin shooting early. It, yeah, you'd notice that in the, um, so earlier on in the game, he'd taken a, a shot when the shot wasn't on, when maybe he'd probably, he'd had the chance, waited, Yeah. chance had gone, but then he still went for it and the defender got a simple block in where maybe the better option then was to pass the ball. So for him to hit the ball early and yeah, get those strikes in, it worked. Mm. Maybe that's we, we did talk about that. We've talked about that before. It's about taking those chances, and sometimes it's not necessarily those goals. But it's one on one, and you know, it's, it's when it's striker against goalkeeper. It's about you're halfway there. Give it a go. Well, I think the, the frustrating thing there was a lot of times when there was an easy ball on, maybe getting it out wide to to Yates, and I think it happened in a couple of times, in particular in the first half when there was a, 
a nice ball out. The easy ball was to was to play it out wide, and that didn't happen. And I think that goes back to what we were we were saying before the game. It's that we're a team without much confidence at the moment, and I think that was borne out a bit in the in the game today. The mitigating circumstances: we had uh, Vyman and um, Hogg in the side today, and our, the, the deal for Hogg only went through the day before the game. Oh, yeah. So, but um, you know, I, I sit next to. Um, Next PE teacher called uh, John. Let's call him Old John because I'm younger than him. Uh, no, but uh, he said he was he was very impressed by Hogg within five minutes. He's a runner. He was part of it. Um, and you th- and some of the balls he put through was an intelligent football thinker. And if you make that you know the point about he who's only played and seen these players for very little amount of time, yeah. imagine mm. oh imagine if you had a couple well, of extra said, days I mean, playing with them. I think yeah, like I, I said off mic earlier was uh, that he seems to know where the next pass is yeah. before the balls come to him. And he was playing some good. Simple passes, yeah. but, but quite, he wasn't dwelling on the ball yeah. that maybe we've seen from some of the other midfielders. Um, sort of quick pass, and, and it gives the opportunity for the, the team to break. We've got Marvin up front, who's quick, uh, and Vyman, who does a lot of running as well. He's, he's no slouch. So yeah, if we can, if we move quick and catch these teams, then uh, yeah, he's a good player to have. So we're leaving Vicarage Road. We're on our way out, trying to get one over down there, yeah. down the road, uh, down the Cardiff Road. Oh, here comes a big BMW. We got a. Um, Quite who these people are. I think they can drive on the road. Don't they know there's football supporters trying to get home? Uh, we are. We, so we come back. We've got uh, Reading, Barnsley away, and then uh, Nottingham Forest at home. Break at the right time. Is for... I think so. I think so. I think um, I stick by my original um, statement that I think we were probably lucky to get to get away. With it. Birmingham didn't create lots. Watford didn't play well. I don't think we can we can shy away from that. We've got some new signings in. They look like they're going to be useful additions to the squad. So I think that the, the break is going to be a really, really valuable time for us to go and re- go away, reassess, work hard. We'd have had a real chance to identify our sort of shortcomings and really addressing those, start working on those at the training ground. They're, um, we're a tough lot mm-hmm. and there's no reason why we can't come back stronger. So I think, yeah, break's come at the right time. Brilliant. Uh, so we will be back at the uh, end of... Uh of September uh, for the next podcast. Uh, if you want to keep in touch, make sure you go to the blog from the uh, where you can read our Monday blog, uh, Friday 100 Objects blog post. That catches on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash rookeryend. And of course, we are all on Twitter, Rookery John, that's J O N, Mike, Rookery Mike, and Jason is Jace Bailey. Jason. Yo. Happy with the first bit of the season? Eighth of the way through. Yeah, we, we, it's a long, long way to go, and and hopefully today's result will give them a bit of confidence. And if you can make some new signs, and hopefully we can push on from there. So uh, not thrown in the towel just yet, John. And if you come with one line that would kind of sum up what you want to happen next, what would that be? Come on, you arms.